for me, this year, the last three days, starting with Monday, Thursday, going through God Friday, into last night, and, and then now here this morning, I'll be honest, I've been very emotional. I've been a lot more emotional this year than I have in recent years. And even though through remembering Jesus' time with the disciples at the Last Supper, having a solemn Good Friday, and now even coming this morning and, and celebrating Easter morning and the fact that Jesus is alive. I've been having this battle in myself where I'm looking at the cross and then I'm looking at the empty grave. And even on Good Friday, as I've concentrated on the cross, I know in the back of my mind, the grave's going to be empty in three days' time. Even for me, as I sat here on Friday night, in sorrow, I could still find solace because I knew what was to come. Be very emotional. But the disciples who were with Jesus, they didn't know fully and understand what was going to happen. So they had all of that sorrow without the knowledge that we have. And those emotions, like I said, they're still with me, even today. I'm battling with Jesus went to the cross. And yet, the tomb is empty. And all that that means for us all. It's, uh, I've gone through the mill. You know, I've, got, I've had the morning and now I've got the joy and the dancing and the tapping of my feet during the great band leading us in, in worship this morning of the risen Lord compared to Friday night where I was just almost paralyzed in grief. But what do we do when we live in this tension even now? As we live out our Easter faith, how do we, how do we respond to this good news that Jesus Christ is risen? And to answer that question, I want to go to the gospel that we just heard read this morning. See, Mary Magdalene, she comes to the tomb early in the morning. It's still dark outside. And she's, she's feeling, I'm sure, this, this great deal of loss and sorrow. And, and she arrives at this place where she expects the, the stone to be in place, where Jesus' body is meant to be inside, and the tomb is open. And her response isn't to go and take a look at what's happening, but instead it is to turn and run. And she runs. She runs back to where, where the disciples are, are staying. And she goes and tells them, the stone's been moved. They've taken Jesus. Whoever they are have taken Jesus. And we don't know where. And Peter and John run. There seems to be a lot of running today. Probably more than anywhere else in Scripture. <laughs> a whole lot of running. And they run. 
And they run to the tomb, and Mary follows them, running back to the tomb. I don't know about you, but I don't particularly like running much. And uh, I would remember as a, as a schoolboy, I would run to catch my bus because I chose to stay in bed a little later than I should have. And now I know where my kids get it from because uh, they can be guilty of the same. But running is a response. It is, a, it is a, an act of urgency. And Peter and John have this urgent response. What is going on? I need to get there. And John, John gets to the tomb. Why did he, John, get there first? Probably because he was younger and fitter than Peter. And he gets there and he stops. And he goes no further. And Peter just comes running and right straight past him, I imagine. Doesn't even, doesn't even pay attention to the fact that John hasn't gone in. And he's straight in there. And he's looking around. What's going on? And he sees the, the linen cloth just laying there. And the face cloth folded up nicely, but in a separate place to the rest. And then John moves and walks into the tomb, and he looks around. And we are told that he saw and believed. Even though he didn't understand what was happening, he didn't understand fully what had gone on, John simply walking into the tomb, seeing that Jesus' body was not there, stepped into belief. He sees the signs, he sees the wonders of the resurrection, the tomb being empty. And he instantly believes. The idea that maybe he previously had, that oh, someone's come and taken Jesus' body away, oh, and they've neatly unwrapped it, and left the laying cross nicely there and carried Jesus away, seems like a pretty dumb idea as he steps into this belief. Belief that God has done something. God's up to something new. There's this different now. The world is beginning to feel different because new creation. The sadness that would have been being felt is being overcome by this, by this joy, mourning, being blasted away with knowing through faith, even though not fully understanding, that Jesus is again alive. And as I read this, and I heard it again this morning from Wendy, I was amazed, if I'm honest, that this encounter that John has, that this revelation that he's received he responds to it by simply going back to where he was staying. And he does nothing with it. But Mary, on the other hand, Mary, she's ran to the tomb again, following the disciples, and she sits outside, crying. Peter and John have left, and Mary's still there. And having pouring out all that sorrow. She's, she's there weeping. And, and she decides, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to have a look inside. And so she, she looks inside. And instead of seeing Jesus, 
She sees where she expected to see Jesus, an angel, where his head should have been, and one where his feet should have been. And, and, and the angels say, why are you crying? And she says, well, they've taken my Lord. I don't know where they've taken him. And it's, it's at that moment that she sees then the resurrected Jesus. And she sees him and he says, the same as the angels, why are you crying? And she's like, because they've, they've taken Jesus somewhere. And if it was you, just tell me where you took him. And what does Jesus say? He just says, Mary. And as I, as I really reflected on that, it reminded me of something that a four-year-old boy once said when he was asked to explain or, or what love is. And he simply said that when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. It's like you just know that your name is safe in their mouth. And Mary's name was safe with Jesus. He said it in a way that no one else did ever say it before or ever would again. And that's a truth that's for you as well. Your name is safe with Jesus. Mary's been through all of these different emotions. And now she's overcoming that sorrow, literally at Jesus' feet. And she's overjoyed. And what's her response? It's so different to that of John and Peter. She stands there. She listens to Jesus. And Jesus gives her an instruction. He says, go. Go to my brothers and say to them that I am going to my father and your father. To my God and your God. And that's what Mary does. She goes and she does exactly what Jesus has asked her to do. She is the first evangelist. She is the first person who actually says, Jesus is alive to someone else. I've seen him. He has been resurrected. He lives. John may have been the first to believe. To have that faith without that understanding, without seeing. But Mary saw, knew exactly when he said her name, exactly who he was. And she ran and she told people. She went and she told the disciples. And that's a key instruction that we've really got to, to hold here. We've got to really think about what is it that, what is that instruction? What did Jesus actually say? Because here, the words of Jesus, they begin to shape understanding. They begin to help us see that God is doing a new thing, that God is up to something new, that there is new creation, that there is this, this light of grace that's coming and replacing the darkness of the world. Because until this point, Jesus has always referred to his followers as friends or disciples or maybe even servants. And he's always talked about God as being the father who sent me or maybe my father. But here, he calls his followers brothers. That's a big change. 
That's a new thing. There's, a, there's an opening up of relationship development here. And he says, well, I'm going to my God and your God. My Father and your Father. He's welcoming them into this, this new relationship, this new way of being. That's the newness that the resurrection brings. An opening up of relationship with God where Jesus now looks upon every single one of us as siblings and says, my father is your father. And so Mary, she hears that. She has this emotional interaction with Jesus, having been on this somewhat of a, a roller coaster ride. And she jumps up and intermission into all that Jesus has just told her to do. And that's what our response should be. We live an Easter faith every day of every year, not just on Easter Sunday. We have an Easter faith. That this new thing matters. That this new thing changes the way that we see the world, the way that we see each other. That we step into understanding and believing that Jesus Christ is alive, that he has been risen from the dead, and that he is Lord. And that's, that's our mission. Our mission is the same mission that Mary was given by Jesus outside the tomb. Go tell people, go tell people that my father is your father and that my God is your God. And as I was sat thinking about this last night and trying to really wrap my head around what, what I felt God was wanting to share with us all today, I had to give Paul a ring and say, do you think that maybe we could do something different? <laughs> something that we hadn't planned? <laughs> um, and he was like, yeah, yeah, no, I, th I think we can do that. So I'm going to ask the band to come up and got a little bit of a, a, a bit of a surprise um, because our mission is to go and tell people that Jesus is alive. And by alive, we mean resurrected into a new body, not just simply gone to heaven, not just living somewhere else. We're told that if we believe in our hearts, and we declare with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. So yes, we've got to believe in our hearts, but it's got to make its way to our mouth. We've got to declare that he is alive. We've got to declare that he is Lord. We've got to declare that Jesus Christ is risen. <laughs>